Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. My two guests today are Melba Henderson and Arnita Holman. And I had been thinking as I was watching the news and realizing that there were so many things going on in the world that the one thing, the one structure, the one solid thing that we could always depend on was our pastors and our churches and the ability to go there and to feel that sense of belonging. And all of a sudden, for the first time, as we've had many firsts in this country, that churches were closed down. Many of the centers for counseling were closed down. Many of the group meetings, places that we all could go for safety. And I thought, you know, I've got such a dear friend in Melva Henderson, who was named in 2019 Women of Distinction by the Milwaukee Magazine. She also serves as the Vice President of World Outreach and Bible Training Center in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, where she is also a pastor with her husband, Irvin Henderson. And she is also the founder of the Melva Henderson Ministries, as well as the World Bible Training Institute. And I do say that she is a dear, dear friend of mine, as well as Arnita um, Holman, who is a licensed clinical therapist, and she works out of the Office of Violence Prevention. So both of you, I'm so grateful that you can do this show. Oh, thank you so much for having Karen, so good to be with you today. Well, and as I said, that um, it's just, you don't think about the domino effect when something like this happens, the pandemic. And we start to focus on things like toilet paper and food and, you know, other things. But the reality is the things that really matter, the things that keep us so connected to each other have really been dismissed and and put on hold. And so I'd like both of you to uh, make a comment in this first section, just kind of an overview. What was it like to be a pastor and to be a clinical therapist in an environment like this? And so Melva, why don't you give us your first um, overview of what you've seen and what it's been like? Oh, absolutely, Karen. And once again, thank you for having me on. You know, I was talking, Arnita and I were actually having a conversation and I was sharing with her that if you could picture in your mind what a shepherd who has sheep, maybe 500 sheep or so, or, you know, however 
large a congregation or small a congregation may be, but you've got all these sheep and then all of a sudden the gate surrounding the sheep was torn down and then you had to scurry quickly to try to make sure that nobody was hurt, that no sheep got lost, no sheep got hurt or anything like that. And it's kind of a picture of what happened to us as uh, pastors in the city. Our first concern was keeping our flock together and then making sure that they didn't, that nobody got sick and all of that. So it was, it really was a pandemic, you know, and what we realized is that COVID-19 is impacted religion in various ways. The cancellation of houses of worship, are, uh, and it didn't matter what faith you were, all of us were kind of placed at the same point. We were all told to shut down and we were all scurrying for answers. And so our normal was taken away from us in just a matter of days. And so it was definitely something to behold, you know, but thank God that, you know, some of us have fared well while others have not fared so well. And, um, you know, so we're still trying to make sense of everything that's coming to us every day. We're hearing things different, you know, they're going to close, you can go back out, you can't go back out. So every day, you know, it's, it's confusing. And as someone that's leading a group or a body of people, it can become very challenging when you want to lead people in the right way, because you don't want to open too soon, because you don't want people to get sick. But at the same time, you don't want to stay out so long, you know, that then you jeopardize of losing people altogether. And so as a pastor in the city, it's been, it's been a challenge. I was talking to one of the government officials in Milwaukee not long ago, um, an alderman, and he said the one thing that you could always count on is if you had to tell people to wash their hands or if you had to tell people that there was something really specific that needed to be done, all you had to do was tell the churches because yeah. they could pass that along. They could pass any information that needed that was critical to masses in such a quick way. And so that whole chain of information was deleted and there was right. no way to get, to get to certain parts of the city. There was no way to get that message and to have it coming from a believable source that people would respect. And so the message wasn't getting to the right people and they had no, they had no channel for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of scrambling around and I'll let Arnita speak to, what her experience was, because I know that she can speak to some of the scrambling. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, as a, a licensed, you know, professional counselor, one of the things that um, I've been having conversations with people around is this uh, sense of grief and loss, right? And so there is individual loss, but then there's also collective loss. And what we're experiencing is um, for people um, in the community, churches all over experiencing loss, but there is a collective loss for people of faith when it comes to not being able to connect to your support system, your spiritual support system in the way that you would normally do so. And so there is the, um, the issue around loss, whether that's loss of life of loved ones as a result of COVID-19, um, loss of loved ones that may not be connected to COVID-19. However, for everyone right now, we cannot um, practice some of our traditional mourning practices. Um, so you can't have more than 10 people at, at a, a, a funeral service or things like that that you'd normally be able to do. So there, And then there, there are folks that are losing their jobs. And for um, 
the house, houses of faith, a part of that loss is around, am I losing connection with the people either that I lead or with the people that help me keep stay on track or stay connected or stay any of those things? Um, and so that's a, that's a significant loss. So on, in one way, people are able to connect through technology, but not everybody is tech, you know, technologically savvy, right? Um, and it doesn't, it's not the same. And so we encourage people to stay connected, but it really isn't the same. And so the loss, the uncertainty, anxiety around all of that is definitely something that I've been seeing. Yeah, and you know, I'll even speak to something that she was saying, that whole loss of, of connectivity. You know, we started doing our services online. And one thing that I realized, and then one day I had to go into the church. And um, this is maybe shortly after we went into uh, quarantine. And I was walking past one of our members. We were in the church, and it was about four of us in there. And we were walking by one another and there's that natural inclination to reach out and hug one another. And we realized that we couldn't embrace one another. So both of us kind of took a step back. And, you know, and then in that moment, I realized you don't realize how valuable a hug is until you can't get one. That's a great point, Pastor Mova, because we, um, like you said, naturally, we reach out to hug each other, right? We reach out to hug or kiss or whatever. And there's there's healing in physical touch, right? So if I think about even going to get my eyebrows waxed or whatever, when they rip it off, you know, <laughs> a good esthetician will put their fingers there because they know that there's pain, but that touch helps with reduce the redness and reduce the pain in the moment. And so we do it as a sign of greeting, but it's also, there's also healing in it. And there there's also that other piece of physical connection that you get that that helps you through, you know, any of those things. When someone's hurting, what's our natural inclination to do? We want to reach out and hug them. And right now we can't do that. We're going to take a quick break. And today I have two guests, Pastor Melva Henderson and also Arnita Holman, who is a licensed clinical therapist. And we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting ideas and thoughts and one of the things that gets sort of lost in the media is truly talking about that that spiritual connection and how people in times of of fear and you had talked about that can always go back to the bible they can go back to the church they can go back to their pastor or the people who they're connected with and that little spigot has been turned off. And I know for myself, I said to somebody this morning, I said, when do you think we can start hugging again? And he said, I don't know. Maybe when they get a vaccine. Well, that could be a year. How can, how can we deal with some of this uncertainty? And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and Senior Investment Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. And I am doing this series on the effects of COVID because I have just been watching TV. And as I think I say almost every time, any of the information that we've been getting is like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose. And they treat everybody as if everything is the same. One shoe fits all. And truly, I think we all know that this COVID has really affected everyone in a different way. But I think it's one of the few times that all of us collectively have thought about 
could we die and what would happen to a family member and what would happen to us? And so I'm hoping that one of the positive things that comes out of this is that we do realize how blessed our lives are. And if we have to do some things, um, take some initiatives to put our house in order, um, that this is a really good time to think about doing that. My guest today is Pastor Melva Henderson and also Arnita Holloman, who is a licensed clinical therapist. And I know that I have seen it within my client base, within my family, that COVID seems to have affected our families, our communities, our businesses. And what have you both seen on, on that level? Well, Karen, it has been, unfortunately, it has been, you know, tragic. Some of the things that we've seen in our church alone, we've had 39 not no one that was a member of our church, but 39 families that were affected by COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Uh, maybe seven of those 39 uh, passed on and just the trauma that's associated with how they have to memorialize their loved ones has been a real journey, you know? And as pastors, usually we can go to the hospital before someone transitions or we can be there with the family, you know, be, when after someone has transitioned. But in this case, we couldn't go to the hospitals. They wouldn't let us into the hospitals. We can't go you know, and be the kind of support that we would have loved to have been. And so just thinking about the fact that our families can't eulogize their families. And some of them, like I said before, um, they couldn't even be there for their families when they transitioned. You know? And so just all of that trauma. And so I had a conversation with Arnita. She and I were talking just about how that, the, the long-term effect of that, how that's going to affect people down the road. Not Arnita, I'll let you, let you speak to that. Um, yeah, so the long-term effects and the current effect that it's having on people and the long-term effects are um, extremely important. So again, we can't, you know, memorialize or um, mourn in, in our traditional ways of doing that um, or express, you know, ourselves in a traditional kind of sense when a loved one has passed. Um, but it's, it's also important that we're understanding that these, again, are individual losses, then, they ex the, then there's the family, but we're experiencing um, a collective trauma. So, a, so in addition to a collective loss and grief, there's a collective trauma. So that's something that's deeply disturbing or distressing, and it can be overwhelming, overwhelm some of your normal senses and ability to cope. Um, and so a lot of people, a lot of families are experiencing that right now. And, and some of the things that are helpful is just to think about other ways to memorialize your family member, other ways to remember them, whether it's now or later, um, doing something later to you know, have a memorial service where all of the family can be gathered. Uh, but it does have an effect on, on people right now. Absolutely. You well, know, the, the thing is, is that it's happening now and they may not be able to have that memorial service for six months. And in between that time, they're struggling with all those feelings and the people who couldn't be there. Um, I have one of my clients whose son um, lives outside of the United States and they would not let him come back when his father passed away. So the son that was here had to take care of all of that all on himself. And it was a, it was horrible for him and it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that we, people are having to contend with. This is, this was so 
new for the world. You know, none of us expected it and none of us knew what to do when it came. And so particularly those of us in the faith-based community, we were gathering together, hosting meetings. There was a group of uh, 40 some odd pot pastors that came together post the announcement that we were going to be going into quarantine. And we all came into the room with the same question. How do we navigate through this? How do we support the people, you know, in our, in, not just in our churches, but in our communities? Because you can't forget about the people in the communities either. Everybody's trying to make sense of what's going on and trying to be there and be a beacon of light, be a beacon of support to the community is what we have really endeavored to do. And so, you know, we went through the community, let the people in our community know, hey, we're here. If there's something going on in your family or in your life and you would like, you know, some support during this time, we were doing our best to try to let people know that there were places that they could go. And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult time. I know that some of the churches out in Grafton and those areas, some of those churches were opening their doors to the homeless, to the women almost as a shelter. And then they yeah. no longer could do that. And there's all the homeless and, and, and the people downtown and churches helped in those different areas. And I, I know I was just, I couldn't imagine how difficult it must be for a pastor or for anyone who is used to providing that safety net. So I even say, Pastor Melva, for you, knowing that you couldn't do the things that you were doing and the same thing, Arnita, you couldn't be there, you know, doing the things that you needed to do is very difficult as well. Yeah, I was thinking about the situation that happened with the family recently where the gentleman murdered his entire family. And, you know, we had to send individuals on site. You know, we sent our pastors on site and they were limited in how they could engage with the crowds for having to be conscious, even though there were a lot of people uh, out there, you know, the, the pastors were still having to be conscious of how they were moving among the people. And so it is, it's def definitely been a different uh, situation. No, that's a great point because there are some ways that we've still been able to connect and provide support it, it modified, of course, right? So being on the scene of that, um, where that mass murder happened, and there's so many people and so many people that are hurting, having pastors there, having ministry leaders there, um, my role in the Office of Violence Prevention, you know, we were there and other um, community organizations. So we were there to help as much as we could, but again, some of that has to be modified in a way that really feels uncomfortable, right? Um, because again, we have a natural inclination to want to be close, to want to reach out and touch. And sometimes, you know, it's, we shouldn't touch people, but, you know, but, but <laughs> there's someone who still can connect. Also, one of the things that I have been hearing from some pastors is, it is the sense of helplessness, feeling helpless in situations. So their past pastors are worried about their their um, flock, and you know they're worried about leading and keeping things going and helping, but also they have a family and they have a personal life, and all of those things that are weighing on pastors and leaders is something we, you know, I think we should continue a conversation around and the support that they need. And so, you know, we don't want, we know that there are moments when you might feel hopeless or helpless, I'm sorry, not hopeless, but that's normal given the situation. However, we want to make sure that however we support that it is extended to everyone, including our leaders. 
That sounds wonderful. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll be looking at some of the other issues that our community is facing um, because so many of the churches and synagogues and all of the different places that people worship have really been closed down. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder of the Ellenbecker Investment Group, as well as a senior wealth advisor. I have two guests today, Pastor Melva Henderson. And if you would like to reach out to her, you can go to melvahenderson.org. And my second guest is Arnita Holloman. And if you would like to reach out to her, you can go to arnita.com. And she is a licensed clinical therapist, and she works out of the Office of Violence Prevention. What are some of the things that churches are going to be able to do, some of the positive things that people can look at? And we've been hearing a lot about restaurants opening, and they can only have a quarter of the people, and they can put tables outside. <laughs> and, you know, so what does it look like for places of worship? Well, I can tell you that um, there's been so many things that since we've been quarantined that the churches have come together and begin to do to serve the community. Uh, our church in particular, we partnered with Resinius, the dialysis clinic, and we began to provide food and different things, gas cards for the essential workers there. There have been people doing food drives for people who need food. There's so many serve days and different things that are happening around the community and around the world for people to be able to receive the help that they need during this time. And so, you know, nobody, I don't believe that anybody has to suffer right now because there are so many churches that are looking for opportunities to support their community. And, um, and so the churches really stepped up in this. Some of the things that we can do um, looking ahead is really around taking care of ourselves. So that self-care and not in the, you know, consumerism kind of viewpoint, but really how, take the breaks that we need to take. So if you need to take a break, take a break, you know, because things are just going and they're going to keep going. Um, focusing on what you can control. There's some things or a lot of things about this whole pandemic that we cannot control. And just as a point of clarity, in the city of Milwaukee, we are still on a stay-at-home order. So that has not lifted because our health commissioner um, put that order in back in March. And so that order still stands. So there's some churches in suburban counties that may be able to start to open up, but in the city of Milwaukee, that's still an issue there. Um, so focusing on what you can control, and if that is, um, I can control what I'm having for dinner tonight, <laughs> you know, not to make it trivial, but really we have to, and focus, you know, having a gratitude journal, right? Focusing on what's pure, what's lovely, what's beautiful, what's noble, all of it. So having something where you're keeping a running list of not what's wrong and what you can't do, but keep a list of the things that you are grateful for, the things you can control. Get outside, get some fresh air, be in nature, um, get some exercise, make sure that you're getting good sleep. Those are things that are all going to help with your mood. They're going to help with, you know, this whole process. And so we want to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves on an individual level. And then that extends out from us to our families, to our, you know, churches, our communities. I want to bring up something, Arnita, that has been really troubling me. And that is the amount of um, suicides that have been coming, have been happening. Um, also, 
abuse um, that happens. And I know that I talked to one attorney and he said that they are going, divorce attorneys are going to be very busy <laughs> um, because of people being confined to each other that hadn't been confined for a very long time. And one of the things that I have said is pause, take a breath, you know, pause, take a breath. But sometimes situations are just very difficult and even pausing and taking a breath doesn't sometimes help. Arnita, what are some of the things that as a therapist that you can recommend for people who are really um, in a situation that they really don't know where to turn to? And I know our prison system has really pretty much closed its doors for people because they've got the COVID itself and they can't have new people. Our, our judicial system is closed down. Um, for uh, children, it's even very hard to be working with social services right now. So some of the things that were protective, you know, services are really gone. And then I often thought one of the first places people go to is their church and where they worship. So that whole channel seems to have been that flock of sheep, you know, doesn't know where to go. And I see that as something that is going to have to be addressed when this is over because nobody could have expected this type of, I, I believe, an impact. You're right. And this pandemic, I think we all would agree, has exposed all of the areas that we um, were not prepared to deal with in other cases where we need to, you know, step up our game or, you know, in, in terms of how we handle situations or what services are available. We, we were concerned and feared that there would be a rise in, say, child abuse or domestic violence, suicide, all of those things. And we are starting to see some of those things play out. In, in many cases, people have already had those issues. It's, it's just that now you're stuck at home. And so there may be some more um, tension within a relationship. And I mean tension in a healthy way, not necessarily in, in, as it relates to domestic violence. However, there's that too. And so those agencies that help people with that, they're still open. And so you can still get shelter if you are um, being abused by a partner or a family member. Um, so they can still call for help. They can still be connected to a domestic violence advocate or a sexual violence advocate to help them through that process, even if they don't want shelter to help. Um, if, if it gets to be overwhelming where they're taking a deep breath, a deep breath is always going to be helpful because it not, it's not just about mood, but it's also helping our brain function better. But when that's not enough, and there are times when that's not enough, then we, we, we want to you want people to know that you can still connect to a therapist in the community. And so right now, across the country, most therapists, psychologists are doing um, things virtually, even, you know, your medical doctor is doing things virtually, you can still get connected. So it does, you don't have to wait until the pandemic is over to seek treatment. So most, a lot of therapists are still taking new clients. That's an option um, in terms of CPS. Yes, that's going to look very different for child protective services, but obviously they're still operating. So I would say don't, you know, refrain from seeking help if you need the help absolutely reach out. The process may look a little different, um, but there is still help available. And not to, not to take on the shame of 
mm. what other people are doing and to know that you're not being judged. And I think that whole fear and shame plays a really big part. Absolutely. And un remembering that if someone is harming you, if someone is abusing you, that is not your fault. We are responsible for our own behavior. And so that person is also responsible for their behavior to refrain from causing harm. And so not taking that on the guilt or the shame with that, but, but also just knowing that you can, you can get help. I have two guests today, Arnita Holloman, and she is a licensed clinical therapist and also Pastor Melva Henderson. And we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to take a little bit closer look at what churches might look like and what some of the new responsibilities that they have seen could potentially be put in place. And I think how the community now is going to view their places of worship. You know, it's just like Melva, when you were talking about the hug, I mean, I am such a hugger, as you know, I mean, my instinct is to hug somebody. And I'm looking at both of your beautiful smiles right now. And I want to hug you. And I, I don't know when I'll be able to do that. And I think the same with churches, we don't know what that's going to look like. And I can relate to not going to a concert or not that, but not going to church. Right. I mean, that's a whole different ball game. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My two guests today are Pastor Melba Henderson, and she is a pastor with her husband, Irvin Henderson, and she's the founder of the Melva Henderson Ministries, as well as the World uh, Bible Training Center, and she also serves as the Vice President of the World Outreach and Bible Training Center right in Milwaukee, and also Arnita Holloman, and she is a licensed clinical therapist, and Anita works out of the Office of Violence Prevention in Milwaukee, and I guess, you know, I'm sort of, I don't know, what, what will the future of our churches in our community and for our families look like? Well, Karen, you know, I, I think that although we've had an enormous amount of losses, and we were talking about it on the break, that some of the losses that we've had have been jobs and the loss of lives and so many other things. But I do believe that um, the future of the church is bright. I believe that we're going to be uh, stronger than we were when we came into the pandemic. I believe that the church is going to rise up because we realized that there were so many areas that we were not prepared for. And what it has done is it's caused us to you know, open our eyes and do what we need to do to move forward. And so there's been a lot of coming together, even though there's been a lot of loss, there's been a lot of coming together, uh, community relationships that were not previously there for churches and whatnot. We've now formed bonds. We're meeting together with the Medical Society of Wisconsin. We're meeting together with the governor and, and all of those different things. And so I do think that there's just been a sense of unity around uh, the people in our city and, and whatnot. And so I'm expecting, I have an expectation that the church is going to be stronger and we're going to have a greater presence in what's going on in our city than what we had before. And so I'm hopeful. I'm really looking for things to be much brighter and, uh, you know, call me a fool or a sentimental, whatever. <laughs> I'm just looking and just, I have an expectation that things are going to shift and they're going to shift in a positive way. Are we going to have to do things differently? Yes. You know, one thing that, that uh, the pandemic has shown us is that you can still be the church 
and not be in the building. I think that that's been probably the biggest revelation for all of us, that we can still affect lives in a very positive way. You don't have to be in the building. And so the use of technology that I think has gone through the roof now, everybody knows now that there is a way to reach more people than we've ever reached through social media streams and whatnot. And, and so then keeping people, giving people opportunities to stay connected, that's going to be key. People now realize, the church now realizes the value of small groups and, and keeping people connected. So I think that the, the, the church is going to be brighter. And I think that our relationship, again, with those in the community is also going to be stronger. You know, one of the things that I've missed through church and that is breaking of bread together. <laughs> and we just had my great-granddaughter's baptism before this all started, and we all brought a dish together, and we took it to the church, and we sat downstairs, and our, you know, our pastor was there. I mean, it was wonderful, but that eating and, you know, how I am about the food and all that, it, that's a difference that, you know, I'm hoping we'll be able to figure out to integrate that breaking of bread together. I think it's going to be a slow moving train. I don't think that we should expect too much too fast too soon. I think that it would be wise for the pastors to slowly begin to integrate people into their congregations because people are going to still be very leery about coming together in mass groups. And so just preparing ourselves and having a strategic plan for the future and, you know, for when things open up, I think it would be wise of every pastor. So, yeah. Arneta? So I think moving forward or for the future that people are going to take these connections seriously. Like not that they weren't <laughs> taking them seriously before, but really thinking about um, this brought something up for us that we had never imagined. And so taking the time to focus on what's most important and who is most important to us and in our lives and staying connected to those people and putting at the forefront those most important things. Um, I think that people are doing a lot of self-evaluation and introspection. And so I am hopeful that people are going to be moving forward um, really in a more purposeful um, and directed way, right? So we're looking at our lives and saying, okay, what could I be doing different? What has this changed in me? What could be different? What you know, and sometimes when people lose something, it causes them to rethink their own life and what do I have left to give and how do, how do I be intentional about that? So I'm, I'm looking for, forward to people moving forward in purpose. Um, and then, you know, focusing on our mental health. And so remembering that our mental health is a part of who we are, just like our spiritual health, our physical health. And so I'm hoping that people are going to not just have the conversation about it, but really um, put it Put, put their hands to the flower, kind of their feet to action in terms of like taking care of themselves. One of the things that I would mention too, and maybe you can just talk a little bit on that for each of you, is that when you lift others, you lift yourself. Oh my goodness, absolutely. And I think, you know, I was thinking about some of the things that Arnita was saying is that, you know, my life has always been better when I found ways to encourage and build someone else's life. And so, through the pandemic, one thing that you've seen is that people that normally would not have given of themselves is now giving of themselves because we're all in the same place now. We're all in the same space trying to figure this all out. And so, you know, not thinking selfishly and believing the best about other first people and, and realizing that all of us are hurting right now in some way, shape or form because 
uh, corona has affected all of our lives. There's not one person that hasn't been touched by corona. And so just that neighborly part of us that, that you know, that saying that, um, you know, love God, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. I think it's a very, very critical piece to our lives and us moving forward. And I think it just not just moving forward, but right now, remembering that this isn't a productivity contest, right? Like in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a pandemic, we should not expect ourselves to function in the way that we would normally, right? But also moving forward, I think that's also a part of how we think about or how we structure our lives in terms of what's most important. Is it producing? Is it, you know, and I mean, in, ter in the terms of like, I've got to, you know, get this done, get this done, get this done. Or is it the people? Is it the relationships? And to what Pastor Melville was saying about us helping each other, like when we are reaching out to help each other or to encourage each other, it is helpful for ourselves. And we know that both anecdotally, but also in the science, it says that when we help other people, it actually makes us feel better. And so getting back to relationship and understanding that everything is about relationship, everything that God does is about relationship. And if we put that at the forefront of how we move forward, I think we're going to come out not just surviving this, but thriving. I think one of the things you're saying, too, is giving ourselves permission to be human. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of us got lost our way before the pandemic. We were so busy prioritizing things over and above our relationships. And now, you know, I think, Karen, you mentioned it early that all of us had, you know, had this fear that, am I going to get it? Am I going to die? Am I going to get and you start putting things in perspective relative to, you know, what's most important to me? Is my job more important to me than my family? No, my family is more important to me. The people that I love are important to me. And so it's in these times that you really do learn to value what is really important. Melva and I have had many coffees together and many broken our bread together just talking and Melva do you remember the conversation that we had one morning about the old fashioned Sunday dinner yes. where we all I mean we had it in our family it was church and then you went and you and and my mother would make you know the the big meal and the mashed potatoes and it was a coming together of family and there was always you know, you could have your whole family together, which many did, many people in the family. And there was always that matriarch that kind of kept the pulse on, on who was who was in and who was out and who was fighting. And, you know, and, and we lost that. And yeah. now all of a sudden, everybody's eating together again yeah. Yeah. and cooking together. And yeah. it is so wonderful. And yeah. To, you know, one of my clients said that their kids love it. They, they come in the house and there's fresh baked cookies or they're making bread together and the meals and the smell of food. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really one of the positive things that has come out for many of us, not all of us, but the idea of just being together and really understanding the importance of that. I remember years ago, I had a client who... Um, did very well. And on his list, the most important thing he could do was buy this big house. And he bought this great big house. And they had a, a little barn area or a private little area that they lived in while the big house was being fixed. 
And he came back to me and he said, I'm never going to move in that big house. He said, everybody has a room to go to. Everybody can get away. He said, here I can listen on the phone conversations and we're playing bingo and dominoes at the kitchen table. Best thing. And they never actually moved into that house. When the kids kind of grew up and went away, they sold the house and they realized the beauty of being together. Wow, that's so powerful. And, you know, you think about the fact that domestic violence uh, is on the rise, but it's not rising faster than the critical relationships that we have, the loving relationships. You know, they're not, you're not really hearing about people who have bonded in their families, but there's been more of that going yes. on than there have been of the domestic violence and whatnot. And so I just believe that families are going to be restored and that relationships are being healed during this time, as well as some of the losses. But I think that the good is going to outshine the bad in all of this. I have two guests today. And one thing I'd like to add into that, if you haven't talked to somebody and your intuition tells you you should pick up the phone and call them, just call them. It's a great time to do that. My two guests today are Pastor Melva Henderson. You can reach her at melvahenderson.org and also Arnita Holliman. Um, Holliman, and that is at arnita.com. And Arnita is a licensed clinical therapist and she works out of the Office of Violence Prevention. Thank you both so much for coming today and being our guest. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to the show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.